0: Welcome to Grace Valley Church. This is our final message in a purging grace. Happy to be with you guys. Had a little technical difficulties. Glad you've hung in there. I hope you'll find this message helpful as a winding up to a purging grace, which we started because we've all got those uh, nagging sins. We've all got, um, as uh, the author of Little Women says, these bosom enemies, uh, this need to have to master ourselves, these uh, he, brighter to the Hebrew says these besetting sins or sins that so easily entangle us, and for some it's it, it's they, they constantly seem to dominate us. So we've tried to find in a very um, wide manner how to deal with these, how to how to overcome, and which should be the task of every Christian. We don't want to feel like, and it's not until we we reach the grave that we're we finally have victory um, over something. Um, that dominates us and and ruins us or mutes our testimony or or mutes our character, or we 're just so simply too old now to do it, so it hasn 't really been victory you 're just um not able to do it anymore, which often so much is the sins of the flesh, but of course, the sins of the spirit, as the ancients say, are far more harder to cure and and far more damnable actually and destructive things like you know haughty haughtiness pride self righteousness putting other people down. Gossip, um, slander, controlling others, those can dominate right up until the grave. So uh, with all that said, you, you know, we need help in this. And I want to talk about, um, uh, use Abraham as an example, again, as as uh, as a blameless man um, who found victory over what we would call, you know, a troubling sin that, that uh, uh, troubled him, troubled others. And that was, I don't think... Abraham necessarily, um, I think he wrestled with, um, self-preservation with, um, which we all do, um, and then, um, doubt. And I think that's why several times, you know, he's trying to get his wife to bend the truth and just claim that he's only, Abraham's only her, her, her brother that, that, uh, you know and thereby, you know, preserving Abraham because his wife was very attractive, Genesis says. So whenever they went into a territory where he was afraid that they would uh, see her beauty and, and, and get rid of Abraham so that it, he could become a king's wife or a ruler's wife, uh, in some region he, she was told a lie, and it kind of got him in trouble or at least, you know, marred them. Uh, but God was faithful through it, but we see Abraham by the end of his life This man of absolute, complete confidence does what God tells him to do, doesn't waver, um, believes in God, and then, um, you know, uses his mind. Uh, Writer of Hebrews says that even when he's told to sacrifice his son, that Abraham believes that God's able to raise the dead. Um, And Abraham um, attempts to go through with it until God, of course, intervenes uh, with this testing of Abraham. Here's a text. Genesis chapter 17 When Abram was 99 years old The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him I am God Almighty walk before me And be blameless I don't think that means perfect I think that means blameless in the ways That God that you know God expects Us to be blameless you could just think Of the Ten Commandments right you know Worship the Lord your God and him Only Um, Don't steal don't commit adultery um, Don't bear false witness and, And the rest of them um, it doesn't mean that you know he's going to have times where he's going to be unkind to certain people, or um, he's going to say something he regrets. Doesn't mean I don't think it means perfection, but thinking the whole what God means to be blameless. I also think he says continue to walk before. I think it's. You know, you will find walk before me and you'll continue to be blameless. So I think it had to do with his walk. And I love that walk before me that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abraham fell on his face and then God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father in a multitude of nations. Of course, that's the only thing you do. I suspect when you have a real encounter with God in a way that's outside the norm is you can, you just, you fall on your face. Um, and I think that's what it means to actually worship and grow in an intimacy with God. I think I've, I've seen that. I've walked in on people even in college, and they're on their face in their dorm room in their devotions. So uh, I'd like to see that. Felt like, oh, I'm not the only one who sometimes that's all I can do. So we want to talk about this steady faithfulness with God. There's It, it, it is such a perfecting work if we can get that right finally in our lives. We can get a plan to get that right and it worked I think in Abraham's life and he, that's why again he's the father of of faith for us he's the example he's the prototype of a just a steady trust and walk with God there there's a there's just this consistency ultimately about Abraham that 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 writers in the Bible and, and all the documents that these books that, that we we combine together to call the Bible we find him such a model of just consistency, this reliableness, almost this normal way of doing life. You you just, you plod along with God. It's this lifestyle, and it's such fresh air, and it should encourage us. If if any of us wants to grow in righteousness, every day it's, I have this steady faithfulness before the God of God. I claim to have saved me, and I claim to have worship, and it's there, and it's part of my, it's part of my manner of being. It's a normal for me. You know, we're all creatures of habit, right? I get up. I, I've had the same breakfast for I don't know how long. You know, I get my fresh baked granola and my blueberries in there. Have my cup of coffee. Have this carrot juice, and it's just that's my consistency, right? I've been doing the same class for 15 years. I've introduced some others because the downside of that, sometimes you don't work other muscles, but it's just that there's, I'm faithful to it. And that's what God wants from you. And if you're going to have any victory, I find it hard to believe with any of us that if there's something that's still besetting you, and again, this is not a standalone message. It goes with the others because there's much that we have to do and have to deal with if we're going to Overcome these sins that tend to dominate us all the time, and that we feel like, will I ever be rid of of this specific one? So this is not standalone, but it's important. And I would, what I was going to say was, I I find it hard to believe that you can't you can't get um, some bit of of victory in it who's not long and oft alone with God. I think E.W. Tozer said that in one of his books, you know. No man or woman makes progress in holiness who is not long and often with God. You can't, it can't, can't just, it's got to be this, you've got to be an Abraham. You've got to be this steady, faithful walk with God day after day. I'm on pilgrimage. That's ultimately what my life is about, pilgrim's progress, right? I'm plodding along. Much of it feels like I'm up Calvary's hill but ultimately I'm trying to reach the celestial city because that's really my home. That's really my citizenship. Everything you hear is just temporary. I'm a pilgrim and I don't get too attached because ultimately I'm on pilgrimage with God and that's my focus and that's why I meet with God. And like Abraham, I lean on my staff sometimes as I talk with God. I stand before God. I sit with God. I I kneel before God. So I want to encourage that that's... You know, that's the step, one of the great key steps to victory is you've got to find this steady faithfulness with God. Now, why? And I'll give you a couple couple reasons why. First of all, um, and it's probably from the text again of why God encourages them to keep doing this, walk before me, Abraham, walk before me, keep walking before me, be blameless. Maybe it's just that be blameless in your walking before me is that. You know anything in life, it is ultimately quantity over quality. Don't believe this. I learned that long ago. This hogwash over oh, it's quality over quantity. I, I I can get some of the nuances of that right. If you're doing improper form, you know, if you're trying to apply it to to exercise, yes, if you got the wrong form and you're just doing the wrong form again and again, you're probably not going to get right. But you'll you'll at least get somewhere. But, you know, that that garbage with kids. Well, I can't spend a lot of time with my kids. But when we do, it's real quality. Well, what type of quality? You mean spending lots of money, as fun as it can, everyone had a great memory? Or do you mean, you know, quality where you're getting in, into their hearts and learning who they really are, and there's some real incredible moments of, of the type of sharing from them uh, and, and, and coaching for life that takes place? That's only with quantity. I will tell you that, right? The quality moments happen when there's – Lots of quantity. Now, my times with my kids happens when I'm have this disciplined time with them, where again and again I'm with them, and it's at the specific time suddenly a conversation happens that hasn't happened yet, and then so much is revealed and so much is there there's this um, this there's understanding. And it comes again with with, just again and again and again and that's what you're looking that's why it's so important to meet with God again and again and again because as we're in those times of of just this reliableness before him oh here I am again in the morning in my place at this time that those quality times finally come <clears throat> because we're such a mixed bag I'm such a mixed bag I feel when I meet with God right my tangled emotions and my thoughts and my, you know, my wayward thoughts and my wrong thinking at that point and just just my, I don't know, my biological makeup at times. Who knows how all that configures in when I'm finally meeting with God that I have these breakthrough moments with God about myself or I'm reading something, right? You have a, it's one of your tools. You have this little Christian book with you and reading through that or maybe a devotional or or something else, just snippets and reflecting that something else finally falls into place. And if we're talking just about besetting sin, sometimes it's just another piece of the puzzle of more understanding or, or or a greater way that I need to— something else that I didn't realize was even associated with what I've always struggled with that I need to repent of before the big thing ever gets fixed. It's these little things, these little—we'll call them, you know, these little weaker muscles around that one that I'm trying to get stronger in my Christian walk. Those little ones have to get stronger first before the big one really— Get strong. That only comes with quantity before God, right? Uh, and you know, that's what we're shooting for, right? So that there's just just new way of looking um, at life, right? We know we're beginning to know God so well. We're no, we're beginning to know so well what He's said already in revealed revelation, and then maybe even this this special little speaking to my soul, right? That aligns up perfectly with what I've read about God, even in the Bible where it affects just my new common way, common sense of doing life, so that I much more easily step into the will of God. It's almost a common sense finding of the will of God, which Romans twelve one says, right? Urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, not to conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you'll be able to test and approve what the will of God is. You'll know What he's saying is you'll know the will of God. You'll be able to put it to the test. You'll prove that it is indeed the will of God. Why? Because you're not conformed anymore, but you're transformed because your mind's being renewed. It's got to be the quantity of that. It can't be one day a week on a Sunday. It can't be midweek. It's got to be every day. So quantity Over quality, steady, reliable, plodding with God every day. So first reason. Second reason is it's just my responsibility. In fact, God reminds Abraham of that, does he not? It's like your responsibility is you're to walk before me with this attitude that i I want my walk before god to be blameless but it starts with the walk right so it's like i'm gonna try hard to be really good but i'm not really walking every day with god but i'm gonna try really hard to be good it doesn't work starts with the walk before me and then what follows that right that's the caboose and then what follows that behind is then do what you know is right to do that's what it means to be blameless i'm doing that next right thing i know i should be doing. The next right way I know I should be responding I do that but you cannot displace the walk comes first right that's the power that's my responsibility that's what he says your responsibility is then he tells him what what his god's responsibility is I'll have a covenant with you I will do this for you I will make you into a great nation I you know I will I will I will so you have listen as a Christian you have your responsibility and God has his your responsibility is well, basically, you're responsible for you. That's what he was reminding him, Abraham. Abraham, you're responsible for you. You're responsible to walk before me. You're responsible to do the next right thing. And then I'm responsible for the world around you that I've said, I will bless you. I will make this. I will do this for you. Those who curse you, I will, I'll go to work on your behalf. That is still for us as Christians. That's how it's delineated. You're, what's your responsibility? What's Steve's I'm responsible for me, and I have to be responsible. And God's responsible for the world around me. I'm not responsible for what God's responsible for. If I try to be responsible for what God's responsible for, the world around me and all the situations and all the happenings, I'll wear myself out. And other people, too, as I worry about them, connive and manipulate. So you let God be responsible for what he's responsible for. That also leads to these besetting sins because we're all addicts. And, you know, part of the whole thing of addicts is trying to control things that you have no idea no business trying to control right it's one of the great steps to sobriety go and look up the serenity prayer and that's what the serenity prayer is all about so that's your responsibility as a christian that's why ultimately someone's saying i'm a christian it, it, it means nothing especially today right with all this talk about all this crazy talk about you know deconstructing our faith and people walking away it's just like that doesn't tell me anything you i'm a christian are you a disciplined Christian or are you an undisciplined Christian? Are you, you know, a solid believing Christian or do you're a Christian with a bunch of, you know, modern sensibilities that parts of the Bible you find offensive and so you just, you make, you just kind of do away with the five, six, seven texts that offend your modern sensibilities and that's the time of Christian I'm in, you know. I'm just kind of somewhat intermingled belief heretical Christian, or are you the type of Christian that majors on the minors rather than majoring on the majors? So it doesn't tell me anything. You want to be a responsible Christian, you know. And I, I don't think I've ever met a Christian whose walk is a mess but is yet so uh, so disciplined in walking before God and in, in meeting with God like Abraham would, it's standing before God, right? You know, usually if their walk is a mess, they're very undisciplined in this, what we should be disciplined in, in the Christian life. It's like, a, It's like you know, you read about the war in Ukraine. It's like messy army units that are ineffective. The big thing is they're undisciplined, and there's graft and corruption within them. But they're basically, you know, they're undisciplined. And therefore, they're not a cohesive whole. They haven't been, even if that's not all their fault, they've just not been trained to be disciplined. They've not been trained the right way in order to execute the mission. Um, so you want to be responsible for what you're responsible for and nothing else. Don't worry about the other things that I can't control. All I can do is control me and what I'm. what God has tasked me, the main things, before him to do. Okay? And that, of course, leads us to not only to almost back to this quantity over quality, right? My responsibility, God's responsibility. And that's why I need, if I'm going to be disciplined, which is my responsibility with this quantity, and I'm looking for for those glimpses of incredible quality moments with God, right? That will help me break through and understand again why I do what I do that I don't want to do. You need planned, times with god you need times with god but they've got to be planned right it's not haphazard yeah i'll I'll definitely got to have my devotions tomorrow it's not going to work where's what time is it going to be at i put that down what place is it going to be at you need a place even jesus said places is important jesus often withdrew to a lonely place to pray you need a place you need a time And you need some tools there, right? You're going to execute and get, you know, you show up to work, you got a place, you got a time, even if it's at home, you got a place, you got a time, and you got tools to get the job done. You want to show up, you want to have a steady walk with God, you want to walk before God and be blameless, disciplined Christian. You need a place, you need a time, you got to show up with some tools. You need a book, you need a Christian book, you need your Bible, you need some reading plan. I don't care if, you know, I don't care if it's an audio plan. I push audio plans all the time. I think they're great. You need something maybe to engage another part of the mind, and motions and singing can help. So you know, hum a hymn to yourself, read it through. I don't care if it's contemporary. I use both or a hymn book. But private worship ought to be part of every Christian. Oh, I never. I've never. I never do any private worship. I'm, I've been a Christian for thirty years. Yeah, I've never privately worshipped God. What? Tell that to an adherent of another faith. See, I think they would just blink at you and go, what? Okay, plan time with God. Here are my tools. And I tell you, you will look forward to it. It will be your place. It will be your time. You can't wait to open those tools. That's how I feel every morning. I'm like, I can't wait to see what God's going to say to me today what I'm going to go, It's oh, what I needed, right? Whether, uh, whether it's in song that day or not every day is everything I read affect me. Most days it does. Some days not as much. But sometimes, boy, the great theological truth that I've gotten from a hymn <clears throat> or even its message in my life, I'm like, oh, just what I needed to hear and I would have missed it had I not had a steady place where, hey, Steve walks with God. Okay, and to wrap all that up, of course, is why are you are doing that? Because you know, the point is you need a steady diet of something greater in your life than just yourself and just what you're dealing with that day. Okay, the Puritans, Chalmers, and I can't quote them correctly. You can look up Chalmers uh, and his displacing of a lesser affection by a greater, something like that, but that's the principle, right? It's this love that God shows up with Abraham. God knows the power of the greater. That's why he says walk before what? Moral rules, church programs. Yeah, Walk before me. It, the greater object in your life and that and it's that greater object it's that greater affection that helps displace the old sinful affections because i guarantee you your old sins your besetting sins your your troubling sins they are affections right even if it's only overeating it is an affection and you need something great you cannot displace that by willpower there has to be a greater affection a greater object by which you cling more and more that satisfies you, and, and you're not quite as enticed. You actually now have the power to—the other thing is just now more of a habit than an affection. It's just like, now i got to get my mindset of not doing it because I'm so used to doing it. It's not really an affection. It's just something I'm so used to doing and so that you sense change. I'm telling my own journey um, because, in one sense, it, 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 the, it, it has been broken now, and now you just got to get of this old, bad way of thinking— right? But the affection's gone because there's a greater affection, you know, a a, a purer affection, right? And that's why you needed this daily habit. It's like a new, greater daily habit and discipline. It displaces the old. And the only way you can do that, right? Only, only, and and really what I'm trying to say is, and only you can do it, right? God will continue to do his part, but If you're going to get over this, if you're going to get through, if you want this purging grace, right, God giving you what you need, this, ah, I finally got it, God's grace, you know, only you can do it. Only you can meet with God. Only you can can walk, you know, before him. Um, And and as you're doing that, know that, hey, God's always going to doing his part. He's doing his part right now in your life. You don't think it is. Maybe you feel flat. God never stops doing his part. If you feel flat, you've stopped doing yours, admit it. You've stopped doing yours. You've stopped, you know, trying to, to, to do yours in a way that's maybe even more dynamic. Maybe you've lost a little flavor in it. Well, introduce some new things in there. Like, that's your responsibility, and God's not going to do your part for you. You do your part, and you tell God in faith, I know, like Abraham, I know you're going to do your part, God. And I'm going to get faithful about doing my part. I'm going to walk faithfully before you, you know, until I reach the celestial city. Okay. Love you guys. Can't wait to be with you again next week.